Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to provide virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. All right. Welcome to episode eight of the podcast. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite subjects, and I believe one of Adam's favorite subjects, too, because you were talking to the director of accounting and the COO about process. So um, I think process is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is super important. You know, I think a lot of times when I talk with uh, peers and people about moving into virtual CFO space, a lot of people think there's not a lot of process around it. They think that uh, it's all about being creative. It's about being consultants and it's kind of doing what your client wants. But believe it or not, the process is the key. You know, having processes in place is really key to the services. So um, I want to start off with Adam. So how do you look at process as the COO of a, um, a virtual CFO firm? Well, like you said, I mean, it is about being creative and being able to do all these other things. But in order to do it, you have to have some kind of systems behind that in order to be able to pull that information out. More importantly, I don't know that the processes are that necessary if you're a solopreneur and you're just solo and you're you know using your knowledge and leveraging your experience. But if you want to scale anything or take on any additional work that you want to leverage to someone else, which most of us want to, you know, most of us don't want to be self-employed. We want to be business owners. And whenever you get those opportunities to do, whether it's back office work or there's always some heavy lifting that needs to be done with clients, you really need to make sure that you kind of carve out a process. I think also, so scalability is one thing process creates. The other thing is uh, repeatability. So understanding what you do and what you're good at and then creating the process around it. It also helps you eliminate what you don't want to do or what you're not good at because you just can't build a process for that. So if something's too snowflake, not to say that we don't take on snowflake stuff because of course we do as everyone does, but if it's too snowflake all the time, it's not scalable, it's not repeatable and most likely then guess what it's not going to be profitable. (laughs) So unless you're just charging like a total high rate just for whatever that new thing is, I mean, if you really want to grow your firm and your practice and you want to be able to bring people in, train people up and really scale your practice and create that support system, you have to have process. It's a do not pass go. And I think to, to your point there, Adam, and I, I remember when I first started at uh, Summit, so I, I came on as a CFO, obviously. And, um, you know, I think I was probably the second or third CFO that joined. And a lot of times when I would talk to you about, you know, what we're delivering to the client, you would say, just just do what I did. You know, this, this is this is how I would do it. And it's like, well, what is my what is my first meeting of the month supposed to be about? And you're like, ah, oh, just, just talk forecasting. And it's like, okay, well, how do I do that? And so I think at that point when Summit was scaling, it was a lot of, you know, okay, we know what we deliver. We know what the overall package is, but how do we deliver that? And what What's the process behind delivering that? So can you talk a little bit about those early days and the movement from, you know, just just do what Jody and Adam do to um, having to be able to hire up to seven CFOs and have them all deliver the same process or same reports that you do? Well, I think the big thing to remember is not every meeting, not every client is going to be the same amongst all seven. And that's not what we're talking about. So it's not, you know, this isn't paint by numbers by any means. But what we did find is that in some instances where there shouldn't have been, you know, a snowflake process or an idea, Jody and I were in two totally different worlds. Now it worked. It was fine. Like he did his thing. I did my thing. The client was going to be well served either way. 
but we just might have different ways of getting to it. What we found, though, whenever we went to scale and we went to bring people in like yourself and other people that just didn't have necessarily the same experience, because keep in mind, like it wasn't that Jody and I just have a ton of knowledge and we're super smart people. We just had the opportunity of like slowly growing into this thing over the course of years and accumulating a lot of experience to be able to do that. Well, whenever you bring in very smart, very capable people that have been in industry or somewhere else, they might not have had that full opportunity. So you have to have some kind of foundation and platform to be able to launch from. So it started really like what you said around, hey, here's the meeting cadence. And then it went into a little deeper, like these are the things that you should be talking about. And from there, we we backfilled into, okay, in order to set us up for that meeting and talk through those points, these things should already be in place. And those things behind the scenes that we're talking about, those are the things that need to have all the process. Let your meeting be a little snowflake. Let the client take you in different directions. That's not a problem. It's just the setup for those standard meetings that become super important. So that's kind of how we evolved. To your point, it was just, you know, whenever you came in, we're just like, what the heck, Jamie, you can't do it that way? Or why would you say that? Or why wouldn't you go this direction? So, you know, we put more of guardrails around some things, you know, in order to have those conversations. But the back end processes, especially as it relates to like the easy ones are back office stuff, right? Like, your 100% of your back office stuff should be process. Even if it's a little bit custom for this client or that client, you know, um, we use Jetpack. I know you're the Jetpack guru as the accounting director. That's your your life and where you live. And that gives us the ability to have those SOPs, those standing operating procedures in place so that everybody has their process, has their workflow. Super important. I know a lot of firms that I work with use Carbon as well. That's a great platform as well. Yeah, I know. The one thing that we've been talking a lot about at Summit, and this is, um, you know, there's a lot of 80-20 rules out there, but this is another 80-20 rule we've been talking about is we want to have 80% of what we do documented and standardized. That way we can be super creative and do a nice job with the other 20%. And that's what you talk about is, you know, when I hop into a meeting, if I have everything buttoned down and I know that my financial statement presentation is tight and I know that's what I'm talking about in this meeting, it gives me the freedom to take that meeting wherever I want to. And that's kind of the 20% part of the rule is let's standardize 80% so we can be really creative with the 20% because honestly, every CFO we've ever hired is coming to us because they want to be creative. Um, and so it really is that uh, 20% that's important to them, but it is the 80% that's important to us. And you mentioned Jetpack and we moved to Jetpack because of the standard operating procedures. We, we knew we needed standard operating procedures. We needed stuff documented. We need to standardize as best as we could. And Jetpack's been a great tool for us in that sense. Again, anybody I talk to with in Summit expects to hear Jetpack from me about every time we talk because it's, it's really important to get those procedures documented and have that built. So um, I think that is super important. Well, and, and everybody's got their own style. So you want to give them that freedom to do that kind of stuff. And you do have to be careful, I think, with some people. And it just depends on the person's personality. But I think at, at one point, we were too process heavy to the point where the delivery came off like paint by numbers. 100%. And we did and we did get some feedback from clients like, eh, I don't know if this is really 
fit for me. Like I thought it'd be a little bit more custom. So we had to like pull that back a little bit and say, Hey, like what we meant was this is the process behind the scenes. But whenever you get on here, like don't try to retrofit every solution to that client. Like just let the conversation, it's your job as a consultant, not to really always provide answers. It's not one of those things where I think a lot of CPA firms and a lot of CPAs and advisors, it's just like, I'm the wizard of Oz. Ask me a question and I'll give you an answer. Like, I don't really see that as our role as an advisor. I think that it's more of when you get into those meetings, it's more about kicking over rocks, uh, challenging the client, holding them accountable. You know, I really like the four disciplines of execution. You were talking about process. And I know E-Myth is a big book that we used that started with Summit CPA early on. So that was more of our like foundation. We wanted repeatable processes. We wanted to leverage people. And then as you're able to get those processes in place, the one thing you have to make sure that you do is and that you bring into the meeting and the process is just that cadence of accountability. That last step of those four disciplines of execution that we talk about here in the firm as well is just making sure you're holding the client accountable. You're making sure you're holding the person on the team accountable to the process, those kind of things. And I, I think that our clients are, are better served that way as well. I think the one thing that I've noticed since we've become a little more structured is is twofold. Is one is they know what to expect. They know the first meeting of the month that we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about pipeline and we're going to talk about forecasting. And just to have that expectation makes the meeting a lot more comfortable. A lot, there's just that stigma about coming into a meeting where there's no agenda that no one knows you're going to talk about and everybody's on edge a little bit. So if they know what they're coming into, it makes it easier. And then to your point... Or it's just a waste of time, right? Like yeah, people exactly. are just like, hey, do I need to be here? You know, right. that kind of a thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's the other thing is when you have your meetings choreographed like that, okay, we're going to talk pipeline and we're going to talk forecast, they have the right people in the meeting. The last thing you want to do is be talking pipeline to someone that's never even heard the word pipeline. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And so it helps them get the right people in the meeting. So that's, that's a great point. And I think yeah. the, the other part that it does, and I think this is exactly what you were hitting on, is that it allows the freedom. And I think this is something Summit made the mistake of early on is we wanted everybody to deliver everything the same. When, to be honest, if you were to listen to an Adam meeting versus Jamie meeting, there's going to be a difference there. Not that one way is better than the other, but we want to give our team the ability to be who they are and deliver things the way they are, it matches their personality. So I think um, as an owner, was that, was that tricky for you to get your hands around that everybody's a little bit different? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's still like nails on a chalkboard whenever I'm in somebody else is meeting because, you know, there's things that I would say differently or I would, you know, it, that's the human nature with anybody. So, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're measuring customer happiness and the clients are super happy and, and what they're saying is still great advice. It's just said differently or, you know, it, just people have different views. I mean, it, whenever it comes to advisory, there's always going to be that little piece that we have to you know, focus on and, and kind of go our own way with. But, you know, going back to process, so what process looks like for us at Summit and what we found to be successful is starting back with those core procedures in our jetpack, you know, whether it's back office stuff, whether it's month and close process, all that kind of stuff. What we do is we document every single one of those things that are repeatable. We create a video for it. And we create a task now that and we do a punch list of those 10 things that are in there. This is kind of on, you know, Jamie, you're the creator of all this. And like you said to the team, it's like once you've done it two or three times, it's not like you have to go through all 10 things, right? Like you just click it off is the big thing. But having that process, it reminds you and it's kind of your to do list so that we don't forget 
because like you said, the clients really like the repeatability of what we do. It's very comforting. Even on the sales side, when we have a process for everything, they feel warm and fuzzy. You know, they've asked us a few questions. Well, what would we do here? Well, what would we do here? And as soon as I can say, well, we've got a process for that. This is how we do it. That really helps solidify the the sales process. I think you, you mentioned one word there that if, if I was going to say, you want to get your money's worth out of this podcast, which I know podcasts are free, but if you want to get your money's worth out of this <laughs> podcast, the one word you mentioned there is video. Like I, I think using video for standard operating procedures is the best thing we've ever done. I think everybody uses YouTube to figure stuff out. I, the other day, my, my son had a Rubik's cube. He's been obsessed with it. I've never been able to solve a Rubik's cube. I popped up a YouTube video. We, we solved it in a couple hours. You know, we were able to get it all figured out by following the steps of that. And so I think that's what we're trying to do with our organization. We want to have all of our processes explained in video because it's a lot easier. And it's a lot easier to follow through yourself walking through the steps. Or if I'm out for a week and say, hey, Adam, can you do this task for me? Here's a video that tells you how to do it. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier to see what those reports look like, to follow the step-by-steps because of those videos. And so that's, that's I think, one of the best things we've done is implement the video process. And I think the for the people who are new to this, the one thing about videos is is don't be super perfectionist when it comes to your videos because that will make the process take way too long. There's plenty of videos of me out there opening the wrong report, saying, oh, that's the wrong report, closing it, reopening it, and that video is published. The important thing is, is, is just really getting the videos out there recorded so people can follow the steps of what you do and not not trying to be too perfect with it because it'll take 10 times, it'll take 10 tries to make sure everything's perfect and then it takes you two weeks to record two videos where you could get you know a whole bunch done in that period of time. Oh yeah, that was the worst. It's like you would sit there and record it and you'd stop and record it and stop. You just got to let it rip. Just turn on the record button, like you said, and just have at it. If you mess up, you mess up. I mean, the reality is, is the person on the other end is probably messing up. That gives them a chance to catch up, you know, that kind of a thing. So yeah, that's been huge. I mean, we used to have somebody on our team that was probably the best person that I've ever seen documenting procedures and had screenshots and all these great things. and. I'm not the brightest person out there, but hell, I couldn't follow half of them. You know, usually I'm like going from one step to the next and then all of a sudden something changed and I'm like, what is this? Whereas to your point, I go straight to YouTube. If I'm trying to fix my lawnmower or do this or do that, like I go straight to the video. I watch the person. I can see that it looks like what I'm looking at and then I can get it done. So those videos and make them short. Like you don't want an hour long video, like just keep cutting them and adding them to the tasks, you know, try to keep them to just a couple minutes and just go bang, 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 bang. And uh, there's editing software out there too. You can use, you know, your go-to meeting or your Zoom subscription if you want, or there's a tool out there called Loom that's uh, really cool for doing those videos and making those edits. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with cutting them down, making them short, making them digestible. And and to Adam's point earlier, you're not going to watch the video every month. You know, you're going to record it. You may have to remind yourself of a procedure here or there throughout the months. But the really the big thing is is having those standard operating procedures documented. And Adam talked about eMyth, but you know, in eMyth they talk about the binder. You know, they talk about the hotel he goes to and how everything was perfect. And you know, we look at Jetpack as our binder. We want anybody to be able to perform these tasks month to month, and our clients won't notice a difference whether I have Adam doing the procedure procedures or me doing the procedures, we wanted to have that ability that, oh, wow, you know, every month I get this out of my out of summit and I know I'm going to get this because it's done the same way. And that has really been um, game changing for us. 
So beyond the the physical tasks of like the bookkeeping in the back office, also in Jetpack are going to be the review procedures. So it's super important to us that everybody kind of reviews the information the same way. You know, the financial accuracy is very important. So being able to understand how to read a balance sheet and go through and make sure the balance sheet's clean and then go to the, the income statement. And then we have a few nuanced things that we like to do um, within our financial statement close process just to make sure everything is presentable. So it doesn't matter which senior accountant I'm working with. I know that they've went through the same review process and that things haven't been missed, you know, because that's also super important. So that's kind of like the next layer up of our process. And then I would say the the next process after that would be our, you know, our meeting cadence, because that's a process all on its own. And we, we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, but really establishing a weekly because we're talking to our clients on a weekly basis and if you're not talking to them weekly then it's the pressure's off a little bit especially if you're only talking to them monthly but but if you're talking to them a couple times a month being able to have that set name i think that name don't you think jamie like the name was the big thing Mm -hmm. then you know like having the agenda and what we might talk about in there made sense like a little description but it just seemed like there was a ton of power whenever we just started to like name it the the forecasting meeting or the pipeline meeting or, you know, the revenue recognition meeting, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool, I get that. She doesn't need to be there. He doesn't need to be there. I'm going to be the only one coming. And you get super sticky that way. It was a big shift for us. I know for a while there, we would just have weekly CFO meeting and it was a weekly recurring calendar event and it was there every week. And that's what it was called. And the first five minutes in the meeting, you'd have to remind the client what it was about. Oh yeah, this is the, this is the first Thursday of the month. So we're talking pipeline this month and then, or this week. And then you'd spend five minutes talking about that every week. And then again, they'd be like, Oh, hold on. I forgot it was that meeting. Let me go grab the sales guy real quick or the um, BD guy real quick and, and bring him in here for that conversation. And once we made that shift, instead of sending out weekly calendar invites to monthly calendar invites, I feel like a lot of things changed at Summit because like Adam said, the agenda was in there. People walked in knowing what that meeting was about. And to be honest, I mean, what those meetings could have been doesn't matter. I don't care what your three meetings are, two meetings are, how often they occur. There really is just setting a system in place and making sure you're following that and the client knows what they're walking into. That That's really the keys to those meetings. And I think that was a huge shift for us. Yeah, and surprisingly... We didn't realize it, but some of the standard meetings that we thought we were having, like you said, like on the third Thursday, it's supposed to be this or whatever that we thought everybody was doing. Come to find out, it's like, no, I don't I don't do that meeting. Um, <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean you don't do that meeting? It was in the SOW. Like, that's what we said we were going to do. And it's so once we got all on the same page, again, that's another instance where having a set process around delivery really can make sure that you have a consistent product, especially as you scale and use other people. It's super important. And it, it not only for the client, but for the for CFOs as well. Um, so I know when um, I first started and probably the first couple of CFOs after me, it, it kind of was a a wonderland here of, okay, what am I doing? How do I deliver to the client? How am I going to talk to the client every week? And those first couple of trainings I went through was just listening to Adam talk. And anybody that's on these podcasts know Adam can talk. And so you'd sit in those meetings and watch him talk and be like, how in the world am I ever going to do that? Where nowadays, when a new CFO starts, I show him the manual. I say, okay, first week of the month, this is what you talk about. Second week of the month, this is what you talk about. Third week of the month, this is what you talk about. And you go through that agenda with them and you walk through it with them and you can see the relief on their face. It's like, okay, I can do that. I can, even though you're having the same number of meetings, you're having the same number of hours talking to the client, just talking with a brand new CFO and saying, this is what it's going to look like. This is our formula. And this is how it's delivered just gives them that huge relief. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people already have like a process around their delivery. I mean, what we're talking about a lot of this stuff is standardization too. So I know processes you know, we're trying to standardize a lot of things and then through the standardization, then you can kind of create the process. So they kind of go hand in hand, but you know, we're even now getting to the point where we had a pretty standard financial delivery, but it felt like uh, we've been moving into the cloud over the last couple months, trying to get all of our stuff on dashboards. And, and I don't mean like the QBO dashboards where they're kind of giving basic information. Like we're still trying to bring that same level of detail that we bring to our clients where we can really tell the right story onto the dashboard. But what we found is that everybody's story is a little bit different. So what we've been working really hard at now is to come up with a standard set of things that should be able to fit any client. And then, you know, so hopefully that's our 80% of our delivery process of our financials. And then we'll let everybody kind of go off the grid a little bit and add their own few extra dashboards that are more applicable to that client. So it really stretches in every part of the delivery of what we do from the back office stuff to the reviewing the financials to creating the financials and then ultimately delivering the financials or other conversations at the advisory level. Those processes are super important. And yeah, and I think to that point, it's it's made our seniors' life a lot easier. So the seniors are the ones who are preparing these financials. They're preparing the slideshow that we present to the clients. And you know, when I when I first took this role in director, I talked to some of the seniors, and they one of them pulled up three different slideshows: one from me, one from Adam, and one from a different CFO, and said, "This is what I do for you. This is what I do for Adam, and this is what I do for CFO number three. And they're completely different. I have to do this every month, and they have to be completely different. So my thought process is is so complicated, and that's just three of their CFOs. They're going to have anywhere from 10 to 12 clients. And so once we discovered that, we said, okay, we really need to standardize what we're delivering. Not because we don't want people to be creative. Like Adam said, we want 80% of it to be standard. So that senior knows no matter what CFO I'm working with, I'm delivering the same thing. Now they might have that one or two special report because we do want to be unique. And if one client really cares about GP gross profit, and that's what their focus is on, it's okay for us to add an extra report or something like that to talk about that month. We just don't want the whole report to look different. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. And even from a branding perspective and everything else, we just want to make sure everything's consistent. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've noticed that as we've scaled over the years is, you know, whenever there's only a couple of you, you know, even under 10, I'm touching every client. I, I feel like I'm involved in the delivery of everything. I've got my hands around everything. But then as we grew to like 20 employees and then 30 employees and then 40 employees, it just, I got further and further away from that stuff and just didn't realize how much process we didn't have in place. You know, whenever we'd hit those stress tests and we would get 10 clients all at once, I was like, oh, wow, there's some chinks in the armor a little bit. And speaking of delivery and process, I guess that's another place is onboarding. Yep. Like you definitely have to have a process for onboarding because that is your first impression with a client. So if you don't look like you know what you're doing or you don't come right out of the gate swinging and get into the heart of everything, it really sets the tone for the entire engagement. So that's another spot where we focused a lot of energy, created an onboarding team, created a lot of process, a lot of tools around that stuff. And then um, after we did it, we realized... It was too much of a process. Yep. <laughs> so again, you can over-engineer stuff pretty quick. And we did with that to the point where it was so systematic that even though we 
intentionally were told a client that we would get to everything in eight weeks. We created such a systematic process that we literally went like this week we do this and this week we do this, even though the client's priorities might be different. And so we're like six weeks in and the client's like, cool, I know you guys are all working and we're getting there, but I really need to know this. Or there was all of a sudden all this anticipation around a big reveal at eight weeks, whenever we're finally done, here you go. That's a lot of pressure for us. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you remember that, Jamie, I do, but I, I remember. <laughs> it's funny. We kind of had to build a process in to make our process less of a process. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was know. This, this crazy thing we did. We're like, okay, don't forget during the first week to ask them what their pain point is and what do they want to get this, get out of this relationship. And we make sure that's done in the first three weeks and, and that type of stuff. Like we had to expand our process to make it less of a process, which is kind of sounds weird, but it, it is so true. Like now our process is pretty, um, it's almost like a puzzle. Like we know what the pieces are, but the order we put them in is going to be different. And so we want to make sure that we uh, do make it a little bit modified for each client. But yeah, it was, um, there was a couple of times there where we thought we had our great onboarding process because we worked so much on it. And then we start getting red cards during the onboarding that, you know, this is way too systematic and it's, it's boring and we're not getting to what we want to get done. And so we, we realized pretty early on that we did over-engineer that process. Yeah. So you definitely can over-engineer pretty quick if you make something too paint by numbers. Yeah. And you can argue that maybe the person on the other end isn't, you know, they should be able to just naturally adapt and do those kind of things. But, you know, whenever you talk about process and you really emphasize it, that's their job. They come in and they go, cool, I can do this. Bang, 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 bang. And so if you expect somebody just to be you and on the fly, be able to flip the script and change the pace, it's probably not going to happen. So I think that was a good analogy. You know, the puzzle pieces where they're all there. We just, the order kind of shifts based on the client priorities. So, and we try to capture more of that even in the sales process, I think. Like, I think we've also done a better job of sure. documenting that and having a follow-up call. So like, even whenever we close a deal, our process now that has changed is that prior to onboarding and doing kickoff, even though I've sent them an engagement letter or my partner or somebody sent them an engagement letter, they sign off on it. We bring in Jamie as just that next interview before kickoff. So Jamie can, you know, so you can kick over the rocks and find out what's really at the heart of why they're coming to us. And that way you can do a better job of prepping the the onboarding team, right? Yeah, it's a lot easier than trying to read your or Jody's handwriting of what you got. The well, you can't read Jody's for sure. <laughs> the notes you guys took during the um, during the marketing call or the sales call. It's like I've done that too many times. I'm like, can I just talk to these guys for just 30 minutes prior to us starting the onboarding? And then I can relay that message to the team. And, you know, it's pretty cool. I've been in a couple onboarding meetings lately where we've we've walked in and we've brought something up that we know is one of their pain points. And you can just see, all right, this this company has it. They know what they're talking about. They communicate to each other. They um, are on the same page. And where in the past, we'd walk into it and we'd so what are you guys here for? And it's like, well, I just told that to Jody for an hour, two weeks ago, you know, so it's, it is nice to have that um, additional process there. Well, and plus you're the account manager. So at the end of the day, in our process, we also are measuring client happiness all the time. So during onboarding, we're sending them a customer thermometer as the tool we use and just asking yellow, green, and red. So whenever he's saying red card, what he means is like, we send an email and just you click green if everything's great, yellow if things could be better, or red, you know, call me right away kind of a deal. And so we're always measuring those on onboarding on a weekly basis. And then once a client's into a normal rotation, we do it on a monthly basis. 
And then every six months, we gauge our MPS. So we're actually meeting with the client. And I think for you, it's got to help you, right? Like being able to talk to the client before onboarding, that if you get any kind of, if you hear any noise or any kind of feedback during onboarding, it's got to help you with clarity in terms of jumping in and and trying to account manage. Oh, definitely. And I think to your point, like we've had clients that we've had for three years that, um, you know, when I jumped into this director role and I'm like, hey, here I am, the new director of accounting. I want to have my six-month MPS meeting with you. They're like, who are you? I want to talk to Adam. I've been talking to Adam for the last two years. I'm used to talking to Adam. And, you know, now with any of these new onboarding clients, the fact that I have that pre-call, you know, any point I call them, they know who I am. They know what my role is and they know that they can reach out to me. And just even if it's a small thing, you know, oftentimes it's not earth-shattering that, if you don't do ABC, we're going to leave you guys tomorrow. A lot of times it's like, oh, I love a lot that you guys do, but we haven't got to this yet. Or, you know, we haven't talked about this. And so I think that's, um, it does help me have that relationship early on. And so it's been a great add and helped me with my role. And I think to that point, we've talked about a lot of process there. And, and it, I think it goes to show that there is process in every area of what we do. It's not just in the client delivery. It's not just in the accounting. There's process around marketing. There's process around sales. There's process around onboarding. So there's lots of different processes that you have to get around documenting. So I think this has been a, a really good 30 minutes. We're getting close on time. So I want to um, plug our email address real quick. If you have any questions, any topics, if you want to be a guest, you can always email us at cpa at summitcpa.net. We're always looking forward to hearing from listeners about what, how we can make this podcast better. And again, that address is cpa at summ itcpa.net. So look forward to hearing from you. And before we um, wind up here, Adam, any final thoughts on process that we didn't get to? Well, I mean, it's pretty endless. And the fact is, is we've screwed them up and changed them so many ways that, you know, definitely leverage that email address that Jamie just dropped if you do have any questions. Because when I'm working with CPA firms, that's one of the things that we go through. So first thing we do is we go through ideal client and building out process from a sales perspective and walking through that piece. But then we spend a lot of time talking about delivery process because there's a big difference depending upon what kind of service you're going to deliver, whether it's tax, VCFO, and back office. And you really got to hammer in those processes. So if you have any questions or anything, definitely reach out. Like I said, we've we've changed and modified, and I'm sure we will continue to. Um, so happy to share what we've learned over the years for sure. Yeah, that's that's the only guarantee working at Summit is things are going to change because we are always reevaluating our process, and um, it is important and it's part of who we are because it's just we want to evolve. We don't want to sit still. So yeah, definitely reach out to us with any questions, and that's part of why we do this podcast so you can learn from our mistakes. You know, there's things we've tried that just haven't worked, so we will continue to deliver those here. And um, want to thank Adam for your time and uh, listeners for listening, and appreciate uh, everybody listening to the show. Till next time. Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.